Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would make us open now to the things that are from above and the one who is from above, Jesus Christ, your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, today I want to talk about being open to what is from heaven. Our passage from John lifts our minds by steps from the earthly to the heavenly. We begin in the Judean countryside where there are two groups of people uh, baptising fellow Jews who come to seek it. Uh, The more established group is the one gathered around John the Baptist. John the Baptist had a remarkable impact in his time. The first century Jewish historian Josephus writes this about John the Baptist. He says, Many people came in crowds to him, for they were greatly moved by his words. Herod, who feared that the great influence John had over the masses might put them into his power, and enable him to raise a rebellion, for they seemed ready to do anything he should advise, thought it best to put him to death. In this way, he might prevent any mischief John might cause, and not bring himself into difficulties by sparing a man who might make him repent of it when it would be too late. John the Baptist commanded such crowds that the very king trembled to think What might happen if those crowds were directed against him? But even as John the Baptist filled Herod with suspicion and anxiety, a new figure came onto the scene, Jesus of Nazareth. This is very early in Jesus' career, perhaps his earliest public ministry. It developed alongside John's and shared his message that John's message, according to Matthew, is the kingdom of God has drawn near Repent, and according to Matthew, this was also Jesus' first preaching. The kingdom of God has drawn near. Repent. It became clear, however, that this new preacher was at least as compelling as John. For in our passage, John three twenty six, John's disciples come to him and say, "Rabbi, that man who is with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing, and everyone." is going to him. Now, we human beings are very concerned with what others think of us and where we see ourselves in the the pecking order, in the status ladder. Uh, When in Formula One, the rookie driver starts posting faster lap times and scoring more points than the older, more experienced teammates, then tensions can arise. Or when the new girl at school, Layla, gets the lead part in the school play that everyone expected Sarah to get because she always got those parts, again, tensions can arise. It's hard to take when suddenly we find we have a rival. We aren't perhaps as important as we used to be. It's hard to take when someone newer, someone younger, someone fresher, becomes in some way more popular and looks like replacing us. Perhaps John's disciples were concerned about how John would react in this situation. Perhaps they thought, 
They could console John by complaining about Jesus. Ah, he's not so great. He's just a copycat, really. Like, he stole your message. He's even stealing your signature move, baptism. I don't know what people see in him. This would be a very human response. And for John to struggle within to know what to say about this shift in popularity would also be a very human response that you can imagine. But John does not operate quite like this. He does not operate just according to the rules of the earthly, the human, the the pecking order and the concern for success and reputation and legacy. John's take on what is happening is completely different to that. Uh, He is actually full of joy at this development. So secondly, John has been waiting and listening for the one who would surpass him. And so he lifts his disciples' minds beyond human comparisons to God's purposes. John is not in this preaching and baptising thing for himself, you see. He's in it for what it means for his people, for what God is about to do among them. This is what he has always said. He reminds his disciples of this. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead of him. What John really wants is for the Messiah to come. Because when God's Messiah comes, when God's chosen ruler, God's anointed king comes, it means that God comes. God comes to restore and to bless his people. And the prophet Isaiah talks about God coming as a bridegroom to Israel, his bride. Here are Isaiah's words of hope and comfort to an Israel brought low from Isaiah 54. Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. Or a couple of chapters later in Isaiah 62, again, comforting words come to the nation of Israel. No longer will they call you deserted or your name be desolate, but you will be called Hepzibah and your land Beulah. For the Lord will take delight in you and your land will be married. As a young man marries a young woman, so will your builder marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. And John sees himself in this relationship between bride and bridegroom a bit more like the best man. He says in verse 29 of chapter 3 of John, the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. So John doesn't see Jesus as a threat, but as a longed-for arrival. He's been waiting and listening for the one sent by heaven, not building and guarding his status on earth, because he's not in this for himself. And because he's not in this for himself, it's natural for him to say, 
He must become greater and I must become less. So, John the Baptist lifts his disciples' eyes from earthly gains and losses to joy at what God is doing, fulfilling Israel's prophetic hopes, coming to make her his again. And then, in the last part of our passage, John the Gospel writer lifts our eyes higher again. And John, the evangelist, the writer of the Gospel, wants us to see Jesus perhaps in even more exalted terms than the bridegroom of Israel, but rather as the supreme, the revelatory, the beloved source of eternal life offered not just to Israel, but to all. In verses 31 to 36, John presents Jesus in ways that go beyond the usual language of the prophets about the Messiah. John writes that he is the one who comes from above. He comes from heaven. He is the one whom God has sent, to whom is given the Spirit without limit, whom the Father loves, who has all things in his hands, who is the source of eternal life, who is above all. He is supreme. He speaks the truth about heaven as one from heaven. He speaks the words of God. John announces Jesus as more than the restorer of the Israelites. He is announced as the one who who lifts the wrath of God from upon us. The Bible understands life as we live it now, as life under the wrath of God. The conditions in our world reflect the fact of God's displeasure at our sin, our turning from him. We are, says the Bible, in exile from the Garden of Eden, the place God made for us. We are afflicted by pains, by disorder, by toil, by decay, and ultimately by death. Our natures are crooked and dull, blind, and in need of healing and forgiveness and reconciliation with God. This is life under the wrath of God. There are many who think that this life that we currently live is the only life possible for us, whose creed might be there is no one who is above all. We are all from the earth and belong to the earth and speak as those from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is a myth. Now, there's no openness to heaven in this Attitude, No room for the sun who comes from heaven. Only room for the earth with its jostling and hustling, with its rising up and crumbling down, with its giving and taking away. And those who admit no openness to heaven, no God beyond the earth, they might say, well, at least I don't swallow all that crazy nonsense that my gullible spiritual friends believe. Ghosts and souls and afterlives, crystals and chakras and visualizations, healings and miracles and evil spirits. At least I deal with what is right in front of me. It can be touched and tested, the stuff of daily reality. Now, it is true that people can get carried away and have a lurid fascination for all kinds of spiritual claims and an uncritical readiness to roam gullibly through the marketplace of spiritual notions 
It's also true that we can be uncritically ready to breathe in the atmosphere of scepticism. To think no one has been sent by God or speaks the word of God just because that's the air we breathe. To think we're all from the earth and belong to the earth and the one who comes from heaven is a myth because that's what the people are saying. Openness to heaven. To God's true work. And his true word is harder than being closed to heaven. But it is possible to live with this openness to heaven. John the Baptist shows us something of what it is like. He describes himself as the friend who attends the bridegroom, who waits and listens for him. Where is your attention? What are you waiting and listening for? We all have to give our attention to many things, to all around of daily tasks, the relationships with others that we need to and want to maintain and enjoy the plans and decisions we need to make about what's happening and what's about to happen. But in and behind and beyond all this, are you waiting and listening for the bridegroom's voice? For the voice of Jesus? Not an audible voice, but the way he has of speaking to our hearts through the scriptures, by his spirit, in all the circumstances and encounters of our lives. This is why Christians kind of encourage each other to have the habit of a a quiet time, a regular time set aside to read the Bible reflectively and prayerfully, to ask the Lord to speak to us, to teach and guide and encourage and guard our way, to wait and listen for his voice. And there is joy to be found in this. John says, the friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. There may be waiting and listening, waiting and listening, waiting and listening to be done. There is also the sound of the Lord's voice whenever and however it might come. And that voice brings joy to those who wait for it, who listen for it, who hear it. And the day came when John the Baptist said, that joy is mine. And it is now complete. Hearing the voice of Jesus takes us beyond ourselves. He must become greater. I must become less, said John. This turns the logic of our earthly existence on its head. Because if we are not open to the one who comes from heaven... We might naturally think, I'm afraid of being nothing. I must not become less. Or we might think, I'm full of potential. It is for me to become greater, not less. But when we believe in the Son of God, we have eternal life, and we are moved to say, he must become greater, I must become less. And that is... A joy. There is a possibility for us beyond living as we do now under the wrath of God in this earthly state of life. There's a possibility for us beyond living in a life caught up with ourselves and closed to God. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. I want to encourage you to become and remain open to what is from heaven. I want to encourage you to wait and listen for the one who comes from heaven.
to believe in the Son. For when he speaks, his voice brings a living joy to those who hear it. A living joy that's not in ourselves and for ourselves, but is in him and in everything he is to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, teach us uh, to be open to the one who is from heaven. Open our ears that we might wait and listen for him and hear his voice as he speaks to our hearts by his spirit. Give us the joy that John had of hearing the voice of the bridegroom of Jesus and may that hearing change us so that we become those who have eternal life and are able to say with joy, he must become greater even as I become less. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.